The Last Word on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. So much to talk about from the rugby at the weekend and the first weekend of the Rugby World Cup. Keen Tracy from the Irish Independent is with us, but we'll start with Matt Williams. And Matt, this is relevant to the game we have coming up against South Africa in our pool. If Tom Curry was sent off in the England-Argentina game on Saturday, why wasn't Jesse Creel sent off in the South Africa-Scotland game for doing more or less exactly the same thing? Excellent question, Matt. I wish I could give you a a logical and rational answer to explain it to you and uh, the listeners. Uh, Look, I I will be very honest. I I didn't think uh, the send-off in the England game of of Curry was a send-off. Without getting too technical, I don't know how he could have avoided it. He was saying on the ground, guy jumps in the air and it's an accident. And we're saying you can't touch heads, no head contact, I get it. A yellow card would have been sufficient. I felt a penalty should have been sufficient. But a yellow card, but I, I thought there was no way that should have been a red card. I thought England, England were very hard done by. Uh, apart from that, uh, it was a horrific game of rugby. But there, there, I, I really hope that uh, the, the TMOs, the bunker as we're calling it, that when it's referred, just gets a little bit more... Um, how do I say it? We, we logical and rational in our game, in our in a contact sport, uh, because I felt England were hard done by in that. Okay, but what about Jesse Creel for South Africa against Scotland? Um, again, Matt, <laughs> you're preaching to the to the converted. Where is the consistency? Where is the consistency? Uh, it, it, I felt that was under very much under penalised. So um, it was the, a worse offence in some respects, yep, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was for sure, and. It, there, there you go with exactly what we're saying. One, one game, it's a red card, and we didn't feel it should have been a red card. The other game, it's it's uh, it's not sanctioned in anywhere near the same way, and that's the whole point of having the bunker to get to get sanctioning that is and and reading of the game through the through the TMO that is consistent. And look, week one they didn't get it right, but and fortunately, let let me let me also add here, fortunately, it didn't impact the. Um, the outcome of the game, although we, we don't know about South Africa, South Africa, but South Africa were just so dominant in that game and strangled the life out of Scotland. I doubt that it would have changed that game, but we, we'll never know. But certainly England with 14 men, even as horrific as it was, they kicked 96 possessions were kicked from uh, six, uh, sorry, 96% of their possessions. I think it was 43 out of 45 were kicked by Ford. So he only passed the ball in the game three times to his... Uh, to his you know, line. Matt, the British media now think England are contenders to win the World Cup on the back of that performance. Yes, um, Matt, let's not talk about the English media. <laughs> OK, we might get back to that in a moment. Kian Tracy. Kian, I want to ask you, though, were the Fijians hard done by in the refereeing in the game they lost to Wales by 32 points to 26 thrilling finish a knock on prevented Fiji from possibly winning the game although they would have had to convert the try but do they have reason to be angry about the refereeing throughout the game up until that point? I think they did, Matt. Yeah, I was actually in Bordeaux last night for for that game. I stayed on after the the Irish match, and what a game it was! Certainly one of the best World Cup games that that I've had the privilege of of being at. And yeah, unfortunately, it was I, I think a microcosm of what you've just discussed there with Matt. The inconsistencies 
across the board. I mean, Fiji had a, a player, Sinbind, and a team like Wales were getting away with the, the same offences. And look, the World Cup is such a massive shop window. It's an opportunity to attract new audience, people who don't usually watch rugby. And if Matt is struggling to tell you what a red card is these days, then how is a person who's never watched a game of rugby supposed to get to grips with it? So um, while there were no, I don't think, hugely contentious issues in terms of red cards, maybe there was a couple of borderline tackles. I think it was more about the cynicism of Wales. But look, they're far more street, street smart. I think that was one of the things that stood out to me. But like you said at the start, Matt, um, so many things to talk about, but it's almost disappointing that the officiating is such a hot topic after what was a really positive weekend, I think, overall. OK, well, actually, just Matt brought up England. But, Kian, what do you think of England, given that George Ford was brilliant with the drop goals? He managed the game fantastically. But was it that Argentina had been hyped up dramatically? Because they were rubbish. Yeah, I think that's definitely been my sense coming away from this. I think, you know, people are focusing a lot on England and actually not focusing on how poor Argentina were. I think it actually says a lot about the the standard of the rugby championship that we saw this year. It's been quite clear that South Africa were nowhere near their best and an All Blacks team who are certainly not a vintage All Blacks team ended up winning that. So, um, yeah, like this was a pool that I certainly thought Argentina could have went on to win. And now that England have beaten them in what is, you know, they're probably their toughest game in that pool. England should now get to a quarter final. And when they get to a quarter final, the path could open to them for them to get to another semi final, which is bizarre, really, when you look at their form over the last while. But that's been the, that's been the unfortunate thing about the lopsided nature of the draw, which I know everyone is fully aware of, but it's just something that world rugby are going to have to look at going forward. So Matt Williams, could it be that Southern Hemisphere rugby is not as good as we thought? Because, okay, South Africa dispatched Scotland, but when you see New Zealand pretty comprehensively beaten by France, could it be that we've actually overestimated the capabilities of the Southern Hemisphere, that this is set up for a Northern Hemisphere team to win the World Cup? Matt, there is no doubt that the Northern Hemisphere have made enormous strides in the way they are playing the game since the last World Cup. Uh, France and Ireland are the absolute standout candidates when we talk about that. I mean, they're, they're playing... Mag- both of those countries are playing magnificent rugby. And the, the, that's not... That's not a, a, an opinion. That's a fact. When you look at the results, they've beaten uh, both teams. Have beaten uh, both Ireland and France have beaten New Zealand, Australia, and uh, uh, South Africa in in the last uh, since November last year. So the the, the the gap that used to be there and it probably was there for 25, 30 years is no longer the case. I think there's this will prove that one what the top three. Ireland and, and France are in that top three somewhere. Now, I, I think it's going to be South Africa that will be the third out of that, and that's because of the strangling-like uh, style of game they play, which so much suits the pressure of World Cups. It is not a pretty uh, style of rugby, and they, they have this brilliant um, speed out wide that they, they use very sp- uh, sparingly but to great effect. But there is no doubt that, that France are the team that is standing out at the moment. Well, does Ireland that mean, Matt, just behind them. that it is essential for Ireland to beat South Africa to win the pool because we have a much better chance of beating New Zealand in a quarter final than we have of beating a French team at home? 
from an Irish point of view, Matt, that's the biggest thing that came out of the weekend for me. France, well, Ireland, since 1972, Ireland have beaten France in France three times. Yet of the five out of the last eight, they've beaten New Zealand. So who do you want to play after you watch France really take New Zealand apart in the second half? You would definitely much prefer to face New Zealand. Now, they're still really, you know, this is still a really great country, great pride, and on any given day they can stand up. But there is no doubt you have to beat South Island now, really want to and have to beat South Africa and then have a good rest and do the same to a desperate Scotland who will be coming up. That They'll have to win that to get out of the pool too. So they've got two massive, massive games that they need to win coming up in the end of the pools. So then, Ken, does Johnny Saxton play next weekend? And who makes the decision, Johnny Saxton himself or Andy Farrell? Would you like to be the one, Matt, to tell uh, Johnny Sexton that he wasn't going to be playing? I certainly wouldn't. Um, yeah, but hang on, isn't that Andy Farrell's job? Isn't the no, chain of, of command that Andy Farrell, if he thinks it's best to keep Johnny Sexton for the following week, not run the risk of injury next weekend, he tells him, shut up, wait your turn, you play the following week. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Look, the final decision absolutely does rest with Andy Farrell. There's no doubt about it. I think the sense on the ground over here, I've just come back to tour where Ireland are based. The sense on the ground here is that Johnny Sexton will probably be on the bench. I know he was talking straight after the game as if he was going to be heavily involved, but I think they need to get minutes into Ross Byrne. Jack Crowley got a decent cameo off the bench on Saturday, but I think it's important to spread the minutes around and I don't think you can leave Johnny Sexton out of the 23. My mind goes back to 2019 when Joe Schmidt decided to leave Johnny Sexton out of the Japan game altogether and that's since proved to be a really poor decision. So I would expect a team to be pretty similar to the one that played against Samoa a couple of weeks ago maybe even a little bit stronger given the struggles that they had that night. But I think the bench is going to, certainly going to be stacked and I think one of those players on the bench will be Johnny Sexton. Now Matt, we are on too long to read too much into Ireland beating Romania by 82 points to 8. However, do you ever recall an Irish team in the past, particularly playing in the type of heat that there was at the weekend in Bordeaux, actually running in 12 tries and keeping running them in as the game went on. And and break the 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 hearts of all the people who back the bookie spread uh, by scoring a try in the eighty first minute by ninety metre try. No, Matt, that's that's a phenomenal uh, performance, in, as you say, in incredible heat. Um, and as I, I thought, uh, Tyke Furlong was really brilliant after the game. He said it's not a box ticking exercise. It was about getting our systems and our play right, and there's still things I have to get right. I, I thought it was a really good uh, performance in every sense, but they still showed there were things to work on. They got some nerves, Matt. Now, in the first half, you saw a lot of passes cut around, pushing passes. I was sitting with uh, Alan Wynne-Jones. It was a great privilege to be around, listen to the, the, his rugby intellect, and he was just saying they were pushing passes. A lot of that's nerves. And then in the second half, they didn't. They were more more conservative, but that created more space. And the other part was, as as crazy as it seems when you get beaten by 80 points, the Romanians were very physical. So they, they actually got some good contact, some hard contact, and that'll stand them in good stead. So that team that we saw... Uh, play in that heat will play against South Africa and I, I agree completely with the summation that the the, uh, the team from Samoa the majority of that team will play 
I'm not so sure about Sexton on the bench because if someone gets injured, he'll have to play a long game. Now, the, the question, and this is a really, really difficult question, Matt, uh, really difficult. At Johnny Sexton's age, if he plays a, a lot of minutes next week, then he plays South Africa, he has to play Scotland, he has to play quarters, he has to play semi, he has to play final. Is his body going to hold up to all of that? Well, I'm delighted that you've got us all the way as far as the final, Matt. Very what? briefly, Keen Tracy, to finish off, who were the big winners on the Irish team, do you think, when it comes to selection for the big games? I think the Ireland team, Matt, is if everyone is fit, is pretty set in stone. But I think without question, the guy who made the biggest impression kind of from nowhere almost was Joe McCarthy. Um, again, there's a strong feeling. It's constantly growing over here that Joe McCarthy is being primed for involvement in that South Africa game in two weeks now. Whether that's from the bench or whether it's from the start is going to be very interesting. But you look at the size of him, 122 kg lock. We don't produce too many athletes of that sheer size. And I thought he mixed the, the kind of the power with also more subtle yeah. nuances as well. So he's been excellent and he's one to w- watch throughout the tournament, I think. Kian Tracy of the Irish Independent, Matt Williams, thank you. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-